0: Good morning. It's great to be here. For those of you that um, have only started coming in the last couple of months, you probably don't know who this guy is with this accent up here. My name is Christian and uh, No, don't say bless you. That, that is my name. Um, I'm the campus pastor for the, for the North Campus, and um, it's just great to be here. It's great to see so many of you that I don't get to see anymore on a weekly basis, and it's great to see this room, room so full and uh, I hope this time goes better than my last time speaking here was a few months ago and then between services I got rushed to the hospital with heart attack symptoms which turned out not to be much but uh, hopefully this works out better this time Um, I'm confident it will so let me pray before we, we start into the message Heavenly Father I thank you so much for this morning, thanks for the privilege of being here thanks for this South Campus and um, just everybody meeting here on a weekly basis, and, and just what you're doing in this community. Thanks for the privilege of, that I have of being here this morning and, and sharing um, here. And Lord, I just want to pray that you that you would speak this morning through me. That it wouldn't be my thoughts, but your thoughts. Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would challenge us. And uh, I'll walk with you. So I just commit this morning into your hands in Jesus' name, Amen. So Penelope, do you? Do you have somebody like that in your life? Like, like Brad sent in, in, in his welcome. You somebody who always has to one-up you. Somebody who always has a more exciting story. A funnier joke. You know, I think sometimes I find myself in that position, wanting to do that. I, I think we probably all do. Hopefully not to this extent. But it's always about them. Do you know people around you like that? Always about them. And I ask myself the question, why is it? Why why do people do that? Why do I have the tendency to do that? And I think part of it is that we think it will make us more interesting to people. And that, that if we appear more interesting to people, that, that maybe they will accept us more into their circle, that, that we would be accepted by them. And by, by experiencing acceptance from them, we feel more loved and in, included. And really, it turns out that, that we act utterly foolish and selfish in order to be loved by people. And usually that doesn't work out so well. Really, if we look at... At the things that we value around us, the people that we look up to, you know one thing that they always have in common is humility. At least people that I look up to, there's humility in their lives. And if I think about modern day heroes, you know people that in our society, on on TV, in our media are, are celebrated as heroes. You know, you think of of the U.S. military. I I used to fly quite a bit before uh, coming to the job. I had to travel quite a bit, and every time I would get on a plane and and soldiers would come on, either coming back from Iraq or Afghanistan or going, the plane would just start clapping, and the pilot would honor them for their sacrifice. We value that, don't we? Somebody like Mother Teresa, who gives up everything to, to give to other people, and now, and most recently, a lot of professionals like doctors and nurses and, and engineers rushing to Haiti to give up their vacation time and, and, and finances and sacrifice to help and give of themselves. We, we consider that heroes, don't we? And yet, we think then when, when we put ourselves in the center of attention, that that will somehow get us affection and acceptance and love. And I want to share a story with you this morning that talks about a hero like the ones I've talked about. A hero in the Bible who, who was willing to give things up, to, to sacrifice for somebody else. And this story comes in the immediate context of the passage that we've been speaking through for the last five weeks. And it's, in, it's found in Luke chapter 10. The verse that we've been preaching through is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The context that that verse comes in is a young man approaches Jesus, and Luke describes him as a man who was an expert in the law. See, really, he was a lawyer, but that already was a bad word back then. Um, I don't know, but he didn't say lawyer. He's an expert in the law. Comes to Jesus and wants to know a few things, and he says, Jesus, tell me, what does it take for me to have eternal life? Really, what he wants to know is, Jesus, tell me, what is it all about? What's the most important thing to be in a relationship with God? And Jesus asked me, well, what do you think? What, what does the word tell you? And then he quotes Leviticus and says, well, says the Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus says to him, yeah, you're, you're right. So you, you know what it takes. And then it says something really interesting. It says, now to justify himself, this expert in the law, said so to justify himself, he says, well, who's my neighbor? See, to justify himself, what, what he really wanted to know, am I okay with just loving the people that I love right now? Am I okay with not loving those people over here? And so then Jesus tells him a story. About to illustrate what it means or who, who his neighbor is. And he tells him this story of a traveler, a Jewish man who traveled from, I believe it was from Jerusalem to Jericho. And uh, on the way, it was, it was a very treacherous road. It was very rocky and windy. And at some point he gets robbed. Robbers come and mug him. They actually take all his clothes away. They beat him half to death, take everything he has and leave him there on the side of the road, leave him to die and then a little bit later actually we don't know how much later but sometime later a priest comes by and, and sees this man laying there but decides that, that he just doesn't have the time right now it's, it's, it's not good timing for him I'm sure somebody else will come and take care of it and he, he keeps going that's like Dave Nelson coming down Immigration Canyon right after an accident happened and thinking ah, it's okay, somebody else will take No, Dave would never do that but just for illustration's sake would, would keep going. So he doesn't do anything. And then Jesus tells him, then a Levite came a little bit later. Somebody else who served in the, in the temple also saw this man beaten half to death, robbed naked. But he also decides, well, I, I, I don't have the time. I, I got to go. I got things to do, places to go. I, I, this, somebody else will take care of this and keeps going. That, that's like Brad Olson coming right after Dave Nelson seeing the same scene and deciding, nah, nah, i got to get to K2. i got worship to prepare. Now, also, Brad wouldn't do that, of course, but he keeps going. And then Jesus shocks this young man by telling him that a Samaritan came down this road. And the Samaritans at the time were, were a group that lived in a small region right in the middle of Israel, surrounded by the Jews, but they didn't believe like the Jews. They were a group Um, that had intermarried with the pagans in that area and were completely shunned by the Jews. They were looked down upon. They were were the worst of the worst, considered really worse than animals by the Jews, completely disregarded and shunned and and looked down upon. So a Samaritan travels that road and sees this Jewish man half beaten to death naked on the side of the road and he goes and takes care of him it says he, he cleaned his wound he took care of him and then he, he brought him he traveled with him took him to an inn and gave the innkeeper two coins two silver coins and said here take care of him and if this is not enough on my way back I come back and, and I will pay you the rest those two silver coins represented two full days uh, worth of wages more than I could just spend <laughs> on a whim on top of my tithing this guy had already given his tenth at the temple this was above and beyond. So this Samaritan took care of this Jew. And at the end of this story, Jesus asks this, this lawyer, so you tell me now, who, who is your neighbor that you should love as yourself? And he doesn't even get himself to say the Samaritan. That's how much he, he, he had to disdain and, and look down on, on this group. He just said, well, the, the guy that actually took care of him. He says, Jesus yes, yeah, you're right. Now do the same. He asked, who is this neighbor that I should love as myself? That was this man's question. Who is this neighbor? And, you know, as I prepared this, I often, when I start preparing messages, put my thoughts on Facebook and and get people's responses to that. And I, I put that out there. It says, loving your neighbor as yourself Wow, that's, that's tough. And you wouldn't believe how many questions I got back, or even just in conversations. Well, what does it really mean? Who, who is this neighbor? And, and how far does that go? And I asked myself that question. That was the first question that came to my mind when I knew what we were going to speak about, and I started studying this passage, and I thought, how far does that go? See, just like this young lawyer, I wanted to justify myself from the beginning. How far does it go? Where can I draw a line? Where can I end this? Where, who is not my neighbor? And, and where does this loving my neighbor as myself end? And so I want to encourage you to do one thing. I want you to close your eyes and think of the one person that you love showing love to the most. What person comes to mind where you say, man, I just love loving that person doing things for them, and showing my love practically. You got somebody in mind? All right, now keep your eyes closed. That is your neighbor. The person you're thinking about is your neighbor. Now I want you to think about the first person that comes to mind when you think about this is the person I want to show love to the least. The person that is hardest, that you can think of the person in your life that is hardest for you to practically show love to I know you got somebody in mind. (laughs) That is also your neighbor. That is also your neighbor. Open your eyes again. The person you that's easiest to show love to and the person that's hardest to show love to. I hope that wasn't your spouse. If so, come see me afterwards. But all right, so you've got these two people in mind. Your neighbor could be anybody in between. Your neighbour could be anybody in between. That's really what Jesus is telling him here. See, sometimes in my conversations with people, I had a conversation um, about alcohol use with somebody recently. And he asked me, well, Christian, how, how much can I drink before it, I'm drunk? <laughs> you know, the Bible tells us not to get drunk. And, and I told him, you know, I think that's the wrong way to approach this. Why can't we, instead of saying how far can we go, why can't we ask how far can we stay away from it? And I'm not saying, you, you know, never touch a drop of alcohol, but we we always try to test the limit, right? And and with this, we're so tempted to test the limit by not expanding, but by excluding. Well, how small can I keep this circle? How few people do I really need to show love to? And how far does that go? We ask it because we're worried about how far it might go, aren't we? I am. This morning... (laughs) I left my house at 6 in the morning to drive to the North Campus, prepare a few things and go over my message. And, and I was driving. I, t- I took a turn off of 800 East onto 1700 South. And there was a car sitting on the side with the, with the warning lights on and an elderly lady next to it. And I drove right by. And the thought came, love your neighbor as yourself. I was like, can't. Got to get to church. Got things to do. Seriously, this morning. And so I drove and then I thought, are you an idiot? What, what are you thinking? You're preaching this morning on loving your neighbor as yourself. There's somebody sitting by the side of the road and you're going to church. So I actually turned around, circled back around, pulled up, pushed my window down. And I wish I had a really great story of a life I saved. It was just an elderly lady on her paper route. She was okay. <laughs> but you know what it showed me? You know what it showed me? How easily I can rationalize and I'm preaching on it this morning. It is so easy to see a need and rationalize and move on rather than listening to that voice. And I believe the voice of of God telling us what he wants us to do. Now there is the reality that we cannot possibly meet every need that meets our eye. It, it, that's just the reality. We're limited in, in our resources, in, in what we can do. I, I know that I personally can't possibly meet every need that I encounter. I think the principle here is that we're responsible for the opportunities that God clearly brings our way and lays on our hearts. You know, not everybody in Israel could respond to this man by the side of the road. But God brought people there put this needy man in their path, and it was their responsibility to respond to God's leading. That is our responsibility. And, and I don't think God leads me to respond to every need I hear about. But you know what? I, more often than not, I know the difference. You know what's a good gauge for me personally to know I think I'm supposed to, to respond to this? Is when my first thought is, oh, I don't think I can do anything. For me, that, For me, because I know myself, And I know my own heart, and I know how God communicates with me. I'm I'm learning that. So when that's my first response, well, I can't do anything about that right now. Usually it takes me a few minutes to think, oh, no, wait a second. Maybe this is exactly what God wants me to respond to. And so I just want to encourage you to seek God's leading with the needs that come your way. With letting God lead you to that neighbor that needs you to love him the way you love yourself. The next question that I think, think is, is even more important for us today, this morning, more important than knowing who our na- neighbor is, who that person is that, that we need to show love to, is what does that really look like? How do we show love to the people around us? And, and to address that, um, I want to take you to, to a passage. But before we do that, one thing that's obvious in this story, that loving others always involves Inconvenience and sacrifice Loving others Meeting needs of others around us Will involve inconvenience and sacrifice This, this Samaritan traveling he, he was on a schedule He was going someplace He, he, he wasn't just going for a walk it, it inconvenienced his schedule. He, he took, I don't know how long it took. It, it could have taken up to a day for him at the time to, to load this guy up and, and clean him up and take care of his wounds, take him to an inn. I mean, it totally inconvenienced him, and it, there was great sacrifice, even financial sacrifice involved. So that's one thing we've got to know. It's going to inconvenience us, and it's going to cost us. We titled this message today, A Selfless Love selfless love, and that was very intentional. You know, sometimes when when I hear that word, selfless, to me it means completely denying myself everything. But that's not really what selfless love means. It just means literally less of self. See, he, he doesn't say love your neighbor and totally neglect yourself. He says love him as you love yourself. And trust me, that's hard enough, don't you think? To place the same priority on someone else's needs as you do on your own? That's a challenge. There's another great verse in in the context of this that I want to share with you. It's in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. It says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Again, selfless love, less of self, not nothing of self. It says, don't only look to your own interests. That implies it's okay to be concerned with your own interests and your own needs. That's okay. But don't end it there. Make the same concerns that you have for yourself also your concern in the life of others, in the life of others around you, in the lives of people that that God brings in your life. I want to take you to a passage now in Romans 12. And I believe this passage gives us great insight into what it means to love others as ourselves. And I want to look at at three practical ways that we can love those around us. You know, we all wake up every day with certain needs. We all have, have a need for nutrition every day, for food intake. We have a need for, for clothing <laughs> If not, we get arrested. We uh, have a need for for shelter. Those are daily needs that that on on, on a certain level we're all concerned with on a daily basis, some more than than others. What would it look like if if we had that same concern for people around us that don't have what we have? What would that look like? Let's have a look at Romans 12. I'm going to read verses 11 through 21. Does never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think this this passage outlines three practical ways to love those around us, and three needs that each of us have and care about in our own lives, and, and three areas that we can show love to the people around us, the people that God brings into our lives. But before I go into this, I want to draw your attention to verses 11 and 12 that show us again that before, before we are able to love others, before we are able to put these things into practice that verses 13 through 21 talk about, first he addresses our own relationship with God. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Always comes first. But then it translates into what he talks about after that. So the first Fundamental need, I think, that is addressed here in a way that we can love others as we love ourselves. We find in verse thirteen it says, "Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality." He's talking about just very basic, fundamental needs that we have and that people around us have. Like I mentioned earlier, food, clothing, shelter—we're all somewhat concerned with those things on a daily basis, consciously or not consciously—and and. and I can just speak for myself and maybe the other men, fathers and husbands in here. That's something that concerns me to provide for for the family that God has entrusted to me. My, My wife and my children, I want to provide these things for them. But loving others as we love ourselves means the things that concern me for myself should also concern me for those around me that God brings in my life. This is clearly, as clearly as it could Outlined in James chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Now this one this one gets down and dirty, doesn't it? You know what this says? It is not good enough to go and say, Let me pray with you. Let me pray for your needs. Well, God bless you. That's not good. That doesn't cut it. God blessing them in this situation means you are the avenue that God wants to bless them through. It's not good enough to say, okay, well, I see your need. I really sympathize, but let me pray for you. Go on your way. That's not good enough for God's people. That's not good enough for followers of Jesus. 1 John 2.16 reiterates this again. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we are to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth. Love is always backed up with actions. It is not an option to just show sympathy and pray for someone. If we have, if we can, we've got to do something about it within the means that God has given us. In preparing for this, I read a story, actually I heard a story about a a pastor in California who preached five weeks just on this one verse, love your neighbor as yourself. And for the first four weeks, all he felt led to say, (laughs) he would go up, and this was a large church, he would go up and say, love your neighbor as yourself. And he would walk back down, and then they would sit there for 30 minutes until worship would start. Second week, he would come up and say, love your neighbor as yourself. He would go back down. I don't know if they cut his pay during that time or not. When I read that, I was awfully tempted to do that this morning. <laughs> Would have made for a much easier week. But uh, see, he, he felt led to the... He just wanted to let God's work speed and let the Holy Spirit convict hearts. And you know what happened? His heart got convicted. They lived in, in Southern California, him and his wife. And they had a, a, a lady, um, an immigrant, who came and, and cleaned their house, I believe, on a weekly basis. And all of a sudden, God started just putting her on their heart. said, Know she's cleaned here for us for years. We've never, we've never even, we don't even know her. We haven't even loved her enough to know much about her. And so they followed her home one day just to see that she lived in a literally a shack that could barely stand up. And over the next few weeks, God put it on their heart to build a home for her. For them, that was what God laid on their heart love your neighbor as yourself. I have a home, she doesn't, we'll build one for her. Now, that, God doesn't take it to that extent with all of us. But that's what it meant to him, to love her as, his, as, love her as his neighbor, as himself. We all have these basic needs, and we all want those met in our lives, and that's okay. But loving our neighbor means that we have that same concern for those around us. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second area that's outlined in here, we find in verses 15 through 16. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. I think what this passage is talking about is, is our connecting with people our living in community. Because we can't rejoice with those that are rejoicing. We can't mourn with those who mourn if we don't know who's rejoicing and who's mourning. And we can only know that if we are in each other's lives, if we know each other, if we know what's going on, and if we're vulnerable enough to share it with each other. I can tell you, when, when we moved here a year and a half ago now, which is just amazing to me, the toughest transition for me, the toughest thing in moving here was not having these deep friendships around. And it took a while. I'll tell you, it took a while. Now I I really feel I'm at the point where I have have several really deep friendships with other guys and on the level where I can really share my heart and my struggles and my joys and the things that are tough. And it makes it awesome. It makes being here a blessing. But it was tough. That was the toughest part of of my transition here. And so I know that that God built built into us this deep-seated need for community and for connection. And that's why, by the way, on a little side note, today we're starting sign-ups for a new kind of small group. That, that we're kicking off. On February 14th, we're going to start a new series called Seven. You've probably seen the sevens around and wondered what that means. And if you ask us what that means, we'll tell you it's a number between six and eight because it's intentionally not out there. But we're starting a series called Seven. And we have raised 40 new leaders to start new Life Together groups. We're calling them Continue the Conversation groups because these groups will... will Go deeper um, from the message that was given on Sundays. And so the week after the message, you will meet with your group and and just discuss the message and see what did it mean to you and and what is God laying on your heart as a response to this message and just go deeper and and further with with that message. And so I want to encourage those of you who are not in community yet. You've come to K2 and you enjoy Sunday mornings and you might even enjoy our messages and the worship, but you don't have relationships here yet, people that you share your life with. If you look around, you'll see these four little niches. There are signs in there, and there's five different regions that, that make up the places that you guys here in the South live from. And I want to encourage you today to go to the region that you live in and find a small group that fits you. In most niches, there are several options, different days of the week, different uh, uh, demo- demographics, and sign up for a, a Life Together group, a Continue the Conversation group and commit to doing this during the next series called 7 that starts February 14th. And start... I know, I know this, this is making yourself vulnerable if you're not in community yet. I know that's a hurdle. But I want to tell you, if you're not in community, if you are not connected, if you don't have people who rejoice when you rejoice and mourn with you when you mourn, who, who support you when you're struggling, and where you get to do that with others, I'm telling you, you're missing out on a huge part of experiencing God. Because a large part of our experiencing God comes from experiencing it through each other. And so I just want to encourage you, when we're done here this morning, find your region. I can't read them from here right now. And if you're not in a group, sign up for a group and start experiencing real connection and community. You see, for that to happen... This, this, this sharing life with each other we have got to make ourselves vulnerable we have got to love others by including them into our community and you have to love others by putting yourself into community with them because you have things to give we need to allow people in by accepting them as they are and let them know that, mad, that they matter regardless of social status I think that's very clear in this passage associate with people no matter where they are on the hierarchy of social status. God values everyone equally. Do not be conceited, he says here. You know what conceited means? It basically means being absolutely full of yourself. That's what being conceited means. Being absolutely full of yourself. And you know if you're absolutely full of yourself, there isn't any room for others into your life. So we need, to, we need to humble ourselves before God and allow Him to give us this love for those around us who need to experience community. You know, we've always told our children, and our daughter Clara is great at this. God has just blessed her with a really compassionate heart. We've always told them, whether that's at school or in a church setting, Adventure Canyon or or Sunday school, whatever you want to call it, we've always told them, kids, watch out for new kids. Watch out for newcomers. They're coming. They don't know anybody. They're scared to death, just like you were on your first day at K2. Make sure you're the one that goes and welcomes them. Make sure you're the one who, who encourages the child to sit next to you and, and show them things, show them around, make them feel at home and, and wanted and accepted and valued. But you know what? As much as children need that, I'm convinced we as adults need that. We as adults need that too. We need to know that we are loved and accepted and wanted and valued. And you would be surprised how many visitors come to K2 on a Sunday morning and leave without ever having been greeted by somebody. That's not acceptable. I just want to encourage you. When you come here on Sunday morning, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you come here prayerfully asking, God, who do you want me to show love to this morning by welcoming them? by greeting them, by inviting them into my community, into my Life Together group, into my Continue the Conversation group. Lord, lead me to where you want me to sit because maybe the person that you're going to be sitting next to is the one that God wants you to show love to, the person that God wants you to love as yourself. Let's come with that attitude of of loving on the people that God's going to put into our path here on Sunday morning and make them loved and welcomed and accepted and valued. And, and I want to tell those of you that are leading Life Together groups and CTC groups, I know there is the tendency and the, the, the temptation to want to draw the people in that you already love and are close to and, and want in your group. I have that tendency and I know, I know we all do, but let's just be open and let's allow God to bring the people to us that he wants, wants to have in our group. The people that he knows need that community with us we all need deep connection, we all need community, we all need the feeling of being accepted and valued and loved loving others as ourselves means affording them that same right and allowing them to experience that community and bringing them in, love your neighbor as yourself And the third way that we receive love and need to show love that's outlined here, it's in verses 17 through the end of the passage. It says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what this is addressing? A deep need that all of us have, and the people around us have, and that is the need for forgiveness. To me, forgiveness is really a major part of the story of the Samaritan. If you understand a little bit of the history and animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews, you know that that Samaritan could have, couldn't have could have possibly served that Jew without a heart of forgiveness. There's no way he could have done that. And I know that when I have hurt somebody, especially people that, that are close to me, that, that I love, I know I have this deep, deep need to experience forgiveness from that person and experience love by them forgiving me. I have a really silly story that illustrates it, and I might have told it before. I only have so many stories, so if I've told it before, give me grace, <laughs> forgive. I, when I was 15, believe it or not, but my mom was the leader of my youth group, which was not a great setup. And so she took us to this retreat center one weekend, and and uh, at the time, I was really cool and hip and into smoking, Not, just regular cigarettes. And, uh, and uh, so we were in this little remote village, and, and uh, a friend of mine, we, we were going to sneak out to the next town for the day, and, and on our way to the bus stop, we, we lit up a cigarette. I thought, oh, my mom's tucked away in her room, easy, easy peasy. I'm just, I'm cool, and walking around and just smoking, and, and I walk to the bus stop, and who sits there? But my youth leader, my mother, looking at me with the most hurt expression a mother could possibly look at her son with—an uh, expression of utter disappointment and betrayal—and I tell you—and then she got in the bus the other direction, just sort of staring at me—and and I walked that way, and all day. Now this was a little issue, you know, in, in the whole scheme of things, but I tell you, I was haunted <laughs> all day by that look. So I found a flower shop, and I got flowers. And I was, I was truly contrite. And we came back, and, and I went to my mom's room, and we talked it through, and I asked her for forgiveness and gave her the flowers, and, and it was okay. Oh, but boy, I needed to hear that, that, that it was okay. And again, tiny, tiny issue in the whole scheme of things. But you know, if you are in need of forgiveness, you know because it haunts you and it eats away at you until it happens. And if that's a need we have, loving our neighbor as ourselves means we afford them forgiveness and we are willing to forgive others. I also know the the short satisfaction but lasting bitterness that comes from actually taking revenge and taking things into our own hands. If you've done that, you know it's not a solution. (laughs) You know it doesn't really last in terms of its satisfaction it says here in these verses as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone that's only possible with forgiveness it tells us to serve our enemies if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink only possible with forgiveness it says overcome evil with good someone who does evil to you respond with good only possible with a heart of forgiveness we all have that deep-seated need for forgiveness from God but also from each other and loving our neighbor as ourselves means recognizing they need it as much as I do and if I'm in a position to forgive we have got to forgive and love others by doing that love your neighbor as yourself Loving our neighbor as ourselves just as we recognize our needs and try to meet them. It means recognizing the needs of the people that God brings into our lives and being willing to do something about it. Being willing to to take up that inconvenience. Being willing to sacrifice for their sake. And the motivation for that is our love that we've received from God and our desire to serve Him and love Him back. I want to Close by, almost close, by reading this verse from 1 John verse, chapter 3. We won't have this on the screen, verses 7 through 8. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. See, we can only show love consistently to the people around us if we have first received that love from God. And as I was thinking through this Romans passage that we just went through, it struck me that Jesus met each of those needs in our lives. He met our most basic need for being reconciled with God. And he was willing to sacrifice everything he had in heaven with his Father and share humanity with us you think that was inconvenient? Do you think the cross was inconvenient? It cost him everything. And he did it out of love for his father and out of love for us. The second need of connecting. Jesus had a deep-seated need on earth of intimate connection with his father. He gave that up on the cross. When your sin and my sin was put on him, His father couldn't stay. And Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was willing to endure that separation from his father so that you and I could be connected with him for eternity. Now, Jesus didn't have a need for forgiveness himself, but he recognized the need for forgiveness in you and in me. And he was willing to give up everything to make it available to us. And by taking a hold of that, believing that and accepting that, that's how we receive God's love and overflow that will enable and empower us to go and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So I want to leave you with this challenge, and and I want the the band um, to come up at this time. I want to encourage you to consider this, and, and I will commit to doing this. I want you to think of three people in your life that represent three different kinds of relationships. Early on, I asked you to think of a person that's so easy for you to love. I want you to identify that person that's, that's easy for you to love, that's around you, that that, that you, you love showing love to. Then identify a second person, somebody that's kind of in between, somebody you know, you, you don't really not like, but you're not particularly close with it. It could be a coworker, It could actually be your neighbor. It could be a relative, just somebody in your life. And then identify again that person that's really hard to love. That's really hard to love. And pray about who these three are. What you pray about, who are these three? Let God lay them on your heart if you don't know them yet or don't know who, who they are. And then pray about, God, how do you want me to practically, tangibly show love to those three people this week? You no, know, first I was just thinking of one person for the week, but I don't think that'd be a challenge enough. Can we try and, and find these three people and ask God, God, how do you practically want to show your love to them through me this week? I'm going to commit to doing that, and I want to encourage you to consider committing to doing it. And I can promise you that you will be surprised by the results and the blessing that come from genuinely showing love to those people. with Expecting nothing in return. You will be amazed by what God is going to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you.